subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. He's got a few miles left, knock on wood. He's a three-legged dog, but he's still pretty good. Three-legged dog. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripods Blogs community at tripods.com. Jerry's Place for canine amputees and their people. Hello, and thank you for listening to Tripod Talk Radio. Coping with paralysis in pets can be similar to managing amputation recovery for dogs and cats. Mobility during those first few days on three legs can be difficult, especially for large dogs. That's why we are honored to have Sharon Seltzer joining us again today. Sharon is founder of the Lessons for a Paralyzed Dog website, which she launched in 2013 to share tips, support, news, and helpful products for the daily care of pets with paralysis and other neurological conditions. Check out LessonsFromAParalyzedDog.com to see the many resources she has developed over the years. I'm sure pet parents with new tripods could learn quite a bit from what we'll discuss today. So let's get started. Welcome to the show, Sharon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Hey, Sharon. It's Renee here. I am so excited to talk to you again. It's, it's been a few years, and I'm so excited to see that you're still uh, doing what you're doing and, and building such great resources at your website. Well, thank you. I'm excited to talk with you, too, today. Yeah, thanks. So, um, uh, for the benefit of our, our members who weren't around in way back in 2014 when we had you on, um, I just uh, I just want to get a little background for them. So can you tell us a little bit about Sophie and, and how she inspired you to start your, your website and, and continue what, how she inspired you to keep going um, through the years? Sure. I'd be glad to. Um, you know how some dogs come into your life, and even though I'm a dog lover and I've loved all of my animals, some dogs just touch your heart in ways that others don't. And Sophie was that kind of a dog for me. We had three dogs at the time, and she was the smallest of our pack, and she was by far the leader of our pack. <laughs> so we had all shepherds, and she was the smallest shepherd mix, and everybody just followed her lead. So she was our, our pack leader, and every day um, my husband and I and the three dogs would take a, an afternoon walk. We have a three-mile loop, we call it, around our neighborhood, and we would do it every single day, and it was like our love of the afternoon. And in 2008, when Sophie was 10, she started to slow down. We would notice that she no longer was leading. She was starting to be in the behind everybody. And then we started to see her inside the house, um, she would turn a corner inside the house and her hind legs would start to slip out from under her and you would kind of look to see, well, maybe something was wet on the floor. Maybe she slipped on something. Well, about a month went by and we kind of went, there's something going on here. So we took her to the veterinarian. We had many, many tests and never came up with a definitive answer, but we did know she was losing her mobility and her feeling in her hind legs. And after about six months, she was completely paralyzed from about the waist down. Um, But we continued to have life. So we, she lived for happily for another five years until she finally died. And it was nothing related to the paralysis. Wow. Wow. Oh my gosh. That, 
I can't I can't imagine how what a long process that must have been. And um, you know, there's so much that we can learn from from how you you stuck you hung in there and until you you figured things out and and you found this this new normal. Um, what was it like? What once you kind of got a, a grasp on things that she wasn't going to regain full mobility. Um, did you have somebody you could turn to for for advice, or, or were you the only voice out there? Um, what was what was your life like every day? Well, I was going to say it, it, I did not have anybody, and really at that time, um, veterinarians were not that encouraging. Mm-hmm. Um, the only thing I had to kind of tie it into was, quite honestly, when I was growing up, my father had rheumatoid arthritis. So uh, that was a life-changing event for my family. And one day he was, you know, walking and doing his normal things. The next day there was a walker by his side. Uh, We had a cane for good days, a wheelchair for bad days. But ultimately our family was still the same. And Mm -hmm. that's what I kind of clung on to, that idea with Sophie. Um, you know, once you get past the initial life-changing event, you go about creating a new normal way that you're going to get through all of this. But ultimately, Sophie was still the same dog that I had known for the past 10 years, and she was the same dog that, that we loved. So we weren't going to let that go by, my family and I. Um, so what we kind of did was, just similar to my father, we had to add the devices that were going to help make our life whole again, and we had to kind of tighten our routine. Um, it sounds simple, but I didn't know where to get those devices at this time sure. when we were doing it. So, you know, we had to figure out how to lift her without hurting her, uh, where to find dog wheelchairs, how to get her exercise, how to keep her legs from scraping, um, how to take care of the fact that most paralyzed dogs are incontinent. So we went around making that kind of those kinds of changes, and it took a while. It was it was kind of um, nerve wracking at first, but you'd be surprised how once you get going, it becomes a normal routine, and it's it's just your routine. It's something that you do, and it's your normal way of life. You know, that sounds so much like when you get hit with the news that your dog's leg has to come off um, oh, or your sure. cats, you know. But it's it's very similar. And what really struck me about what you said was she was still the same dog. She was still Sophie. Um, there's just a new way of, of doing things that you had to adjust to. And that's very much like amputation and learning your dog's abilities and, and challenges and and how to make life as, as great as you can for them because they still want to go on and be happy and, and love you. And, you know, there's no, no need to call it quits. I mean, um, I, you know, back when, when this happened to, to Sophie, um, it was, in the big picture, it wasn't really that long ago, but you're so right. Vets were not encouraging back then at all, and I'm sure there's still a huge number that aren't. So having your website around for people to point us, uh, for, for us to point people to is, is so valuable. We can't thank you enough for, for doing what you're doing. Um, now, you know, I, I, so you had this, this day-to-day life with Sophie and, and you found this new routine. How did the other animals adapt? Was it hard to incorporate them into that? Because we get that question a lot in our community. You know, my other animals didn't see her any differently at all. 
Wow. Um, and, and I have, I've written several stories. They still played games with her. We had to modify them a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Tug of War, Tug of War with Big Dogs is a big game in my house. <laughs> and, um, and they still continue to play with her. Um, we, we just, everything was, was modified and tightened up so that, you know, you knew that when a certain time of the day came by, she had to go outside and we had to express her bladder. You knew when a certain time came up, we still went for a walk, but it might have had to been in a wheelchair. And later when she lost more of her uh, mobility, it was in a stroller. So my dogs never, I don't think they took much, much notice that she was any different. It was mm-hmm. still their, their Sophie. So the the dogs didn't notice, but here's here's something that our communities also have in common: um, other uh, people and their attitudes. And I'm I didn't give you this question ahead of time, but I'm really curious about it. What kind of um, attitudes and feedback did you receive back then, and and has it changed since then in the in the general public that you're aware of? It it has changed. Quite a bit, especially with the veterinary community. Um, I, as I said, my veterinarian really did hint that Sophie would be much better off, um, you know, having her life ended. And she was very surprised when we said, no, we're not ready for that. Um, but now I personally have come in contact with almost every month uh, veterinarians who are doing research or doing uh, sophisticated and specialized surgeries or stem cell therapies that are helping paralyzed dogs every single day. So the treatment has completely come around, and, and they're starting to think of it as this is something they have to find cures or treatments for, uh, and there's, there's studies being done. I just did a, an interview with a woman, uh, a researcher at Cornell University who's working with a really deadly disease called degenerative myelopathy. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so, so it's completely come around, and the public, too. I think I, I know today I'm, I mean, I'm on the Internet myself quite a bit and social media, but there isn't a week that goes by that you don't see some article about a a dog or a cat that's in a wheelchair that's been saved and is having a wonderful life. Uh, My dog was old, so it was a little bit different, but you see dogs that are are running around like crazy, uh, you know, playing ball and running with their their friends and and just having really quality lives. Uh, When we were uh, faced with this, it was a little less common. You didn't see it very often. And I actually at one point had very dear friends, and this wasn't in the beginning, but this was after we had gone on for several years, and we realized Sophie is not dying of this, um, who sat me down and said they had, well, I wouldn't call it intervention, wow. <laughs> and, and they really were very worried that we needed to, to you know, again, have her euthanized. So, uh, but I have to say the one thing that was really interesting, we did a lot of going to parks because again, my dogs, I could walk half the dogs and she could sit and watch, uh, people at the park as they went by, uh, children, children were so kind. They were very curious about mm-hmm. her. And, and as long as they knew she wasn't in any pain, they, they were happy to touch her and pet her. And she became like at one particular park, almost a little star <laughs> come in the, and all the children would run away from the playground area <laughs> excuse me and come over and, and talk to her and and routinely come over and see her 
And what a huge lesson for them. And they're going to grow up and, and see this as something totally normal and wouldn't even question it. So thanks to thanks to Sophie. I mean, look what you, you two have done. That's awesome. <laughs> it's really cool. Um, and as far as, you know, you're, you're finding the strength at first. You know, you're, do you think your attitude about the whole thing changed throughout the process? I mean, what did you feel like when it first started? And then how did you turn that around to, to make it into a, a, a better way of, of handling the situation? I think at first uh, we were lucky uh, in, a, in a very strange way. Ours happened very gradually. And, and so where I feel sorry, and that's it's kind of what Lessons from a Paralyzed Dog focuses on, are the people who uh, are sitting in the hospital, a veterinary hospital, and their dog suddenly became paralyzed because there are many, many ways dogs can become paralyzed. They can have a, a sudden stroke. They can have a herniated disc, which is sudden. My dog had a, some sort of a degenerative neurological problem that went downhill after about six months. Um, so these people, for me, I could have have time to get adjusted and mm-hmm. figure we found our way and we found the products we needed and we found the support. Um, so, so I am there with lessons from a paralyzed dog to help a lot of the families who they are a week ago, they had a wonderfully healthy dog and now they are coming home from a hospital with a dog who cannot move and cannot go to the bathroom on itself. Wow. And, and so they, they are terrified. Um, and, but, it, but they can, they can figure it out. They just have to listen to some steps and take their time with it and they don't have to be a pro tomorrow they'll they'll make some missteps but their dog's not going to die they're going to figure it out and and so that's kind of what lessons from paralyzed dog what spurred me on to to keep doing it because i do hear from them and Mm -hmm. and that makes my attitude even even better and more encouraged because a month later they're writing back going they're giving me advice oh, <laughs> on, how, awesome. on things they've learned. So it's, it's wonderful. It's just that scary time because, you know, nobody expects this. Nobody, no. nobody plans for this. No, it's, it's very scary. It's, it's, it's a lot like amputation. And, um, you know, you, you had mentioned earlier uh, you did an interview with a Cornell uh, vet about a, um, a treatment for degenerative myeliopathy. And, um, Let's let's talk a little bit about the treatments for dogs and cats with paralysis. I'm assuming you see other species um, come into yeah. your community. Um, yeah. what, what's going on right now um, in the veterinary community as far as research goes? You know, there's there's a lot. This particular one, um, and it's it's just the study is going on right now, and she. <coughs> excuse me. This particular veterinarian at Cornell University is. Um, taking a, an advanced form of imaging. So it's an MRI on steroids mm-hmm. that is able to see little teeny tiny lesions on a dog's spine before wow. they have any symptoms. Oh, that's wow. Her, <clears throat> excuse me, that's her goal. Uh, and, and what she's taken it from is degenerative myelopathy is a lot like ALS in humans, and they've used this same imaging system on ALS patients, and they are seeing the microscopic changes in this. So we don't have a cure for this disease, but if she's, if she's proven right, and she is currently looking, so if, if anybody has a dog with symptoms and healthy dogs, she's looking for, for people to come <clears throat> and enroll their dog in the study. They only have to come one time 
to Cornell and have an MRI. Um, oh, good to know. Yeah, it, it, she is looking for us, Dr. Johnson, and uh, you just go into Cornell University Veterinary School and look for clinical trials. Um, but but it's okay. fascinating because uh, then what will happen is when treatments come, they will now have something to compare it to. They can now yeah. th- would be able, in theory, to say, oh, this particular treatment reduced the lesions. This particular treatment didn't have any effect or, you know, it, it will be, help them so much with definitive types of work. Um, but that's not true. Uh, since I've been doing it, they've now also found there's a veterinarian who also is a, a pug owner. And when her pug, she realized that pugs have a very specialized paralysis. And so she's uh-huh. actually found out that they do, in fact, uh, have their own unique paralysis. It's called pug myelopathy. Oh, and wow. And she spearheaded a study that is now completed and is being written up, and they've found their distinctions, and we'll now go ahead and start working on that process. How do we now, now that we know that pugs have a prone to a certain specific kind of myelopathy, mm-hmm. uh, which really means that the, the outer coating of the spine that protects you is wearing off, and then the brain does not communicate with the spine anymore. Oh, wow. So that's kind of what myelopathy means. So it's been fascinating to, to see what all of these people, uh, stem cell therapy has just you know, gone berserk since I first started. It was only for dogs with arthritis. Yeah. Maybe some hip dysplasia. But now it's being used with dogs with, um, uh, it's called IVDD. So they have disc disease, the herniated discs, but it's a kind of a, uh, inherited form. And and the stem cell therapy, tell, tell us a little bit more about that. Does it actually um, get them back to full mobility or is it more of a it, pain it management? Just, uh, no, the, the one doctor who's doing the work on it is getting him back to maybe not 100%, but he's doing surgery on it, and they're regenerating. The stem cells are regenerating in that those parts of the, the um, spine for the okay. dog. It's not working if the dog has had it for five years, but if your dog has something just for showing some signs, and they can do it now. They can tell when the mater- disc material is starting to dry out. Um, so he's he's doing some very interesting work, and he's in Houston. So it, and, it's and, just fascinating to me. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I'm I'm guessing you have um, all of these resources on your website. Where exactly yes. would somebody oh, yeah. find them? Well, I have a little search bar. There are if they go to the website, you'll see tabs. So you can definitely see a tab that would say um, uh, clinical trials and veterinary treatments. So you would be able to look under there and see some of those stories. But if you just put it in the search bar, uh, type in uh, a certain topic, you probably will come up because now four and a half years later, I'm I've pretty much hit a lot of the topics that people want to know about. Cool, cool. We will we will definitely uh, post links to the website. Um, one thing I, I wanted to touch a little bit on was um, what about other species? What are some of the more unusual ones that have have uh, written to you and come your way? Well, um, not only written to me, but it was in my own community. Really, uh, was a little pig, a little piglet named Ellie May. And just a few months ago, we were ha- able to help Ellie May get her own wheelchair. I did not cool. know about this, but Ellie May lives at a. She already was an orphaned pig, and she lives <laughs> at a local uh, pig rescue here in in my town. Um, and so, what happened was. 
pigs or little piglets can get something called dippity pig syndrome. Oh. And it is similar to shingles in humans. It, wow. Most animals, it's very painful. They have to be kept in a very dark place because it's not only painful to the body, but affects their vision, and it can make them paralyzed. For the most part, animals pull out of it. This particular pig did not, and she's going to be paralyzed in her hind legs for, for the rest of her life. So we, uh, and she will need various stages of, of wheelchairs, but uh-huh. she was very funny because she was dragging herself around, and we were able to get her a wheelchair, and she is zips. I mean, she just, I have video <laughs> of her on, on the website. I mean, she, she could care less that she has a wheelchair behind her. She's just having the time of her life, and she'll just stay there at the, at the pig farm, um, the pig <laughs> rescue. So but she, she's very cute. But let's see, what else? We've had all kinds of, um, there's a horse with the, um, uh, also had some sort of a deformity, and so wow. that horse was given, uh, gosh, everything from from llamas to, uh, gosh, I can't think what else, but definitely a lot of cats too as well. Uh huh. That that is just so cool, and it's it's really remarkable mm-hmm. how their conditions are so similar to what happens to us, and. It, it just goes to show you that, you know, humans and animals, we are all connected. And yes. um, it's it's so awesome to see that people are giving even pigs a, a chance at, at living a life like that. You know, they have such a strong will to live anyways. Why not let them if they're not in pain and, and you know, getting around somehow? So that's, that's so cool. I love here. I'm going to have to look yeah, for that exactly. video. I'm yes, it's fun that. to watch. And she's doing well. And they don't feel sorry for themselves. To them, this is life. And they just get on with it. So I, I love seeing that. Yeah, yeah, they absolutely do. Hey, and so you mentioned wheelchairs. So let's let's touch on that for a little bit. Uh, what are some of your favorite products to, to help paralyzed pets and, and why? I know there's all kinds of stuff coming out, but you have a grasp on them. So tell us what, what are your top top products right. that you recommend. Well, I will, I will tell you, wheelchairs are, are great. My dog, because uh, she had some issues with her, her midsection, wheelchairs are not for every dog. And, and I know some people write me and they go, my dog hated the wheelchair, is terrified of a wheelchair. It, it, they're wonderful for a young dog who needs, or, or pet, or pig, who needs uh, some exercise. But they are not... They're not the only item, and a dog should not be in a wheelchair all day long. It's for exercise. It's for outings. It's for when you, you know, have to travel somewhere. One of my very favorite uh, products, and we used, and we had, it, we had several so I can always put one in the wash, is a, a lifting harness or a support harness, and it depends what you, if your animal is fully paralyzed and can't use their legs or if they can help you. But there's a harness that is very made of a, a very soft material but very sturdy material, and it either wraps around the belly if they can help walk, or in my case we had one that fit like little pair of pants. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps because if you think about it all day long, you're going to have to lift and move this animal if they can't scoot around on their own. Uh-huh. So if you have to take them in and out to the bathroom all day, because the majority of animals are incontinent, um, mm-hmm. or, or just move them from room to room, uh, the lifting harness will not only save your back, but it helps them feel they're in an upright position, they're not relying on you, they're, they're using their front paws to walk around. So I think that is my all-time favorite. 
Uh, Who's the manufacturer for that? Oh, there's there's quite a few. I like oh, okay. uh, Walkabout Harness. Is okay. has has several different kind. Uh, Ginger Lead has one. Help them up mm-hmm. harness. Walking Pets has harnesses. You have to just find the one that's going to think be the best for your pet's disability. And again, I have stories that help help you figure that out so that you will be able to pick the right one for your animal. But yeah, that's. Of- they're definitely not a one-size-fits-all. That's what, what we, we tell people at Tripods is, um, you know, the gear that we recommend, we, it's, you just have to find the one that works for your animal and your situation. Right. Yeah, exactly. Because each, each one is very individual, and every cause of paralysis is individual, which at the time I started, I had no idea. You know, you figure paralyzed is paralyzed, mm-hmm. but it's not. But, uh, but there's all kinds of, um, you know, also because these animals are incontinent, one of the things you have to worry about is urine scald. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's pretty specific, but you don't want them sitting in anything wet. So there are lots of diaper products. There are washable diapers for boys. There are specific diapers, you know, that's going to stay in place for their anatomy uh, called belly bands. So there's wonderful products on the market. Um, I Again, I like a particular company called Barker Time, oh, and okay. uh, they have everything, and theirs are so cute and very colorful. <laughs> <laughs> they have little suspender outfits because dogs move around and diapers yeah. will shift out of place. So, so it's surprising, but there's so many things, and that's one of the things I try to help people because you don't know. You have no clue when you first come home from the hospital what's even available to you, and there are lots of products. Oh, I'll bet. You know, I, dogs and, and cats, they've been losing legs for a long time. I mean, amputation's been happening, you know, for, for as long as anybody can remember, and, and it's always been, well, just let them go home and go do their thing, and they'll get around fine, and only recently have products come along to, to help them make huh. life easier, but um, paralysis is such a new thing and and you know people being willing to to help their animals live out the rest of their lives and be happy i mean that's that's uncharted territory as far as products go so i'm sure every day there's some other you know person who who found a need and is working on a a great product out there to to help their animal yeah it's very interesting to see i do like the companies that have tested them clinically uh, uh-huh. That's what I particularly like about walkabout harnesses. Uh, it's owned by a woman named Kathy Irwin, and she is one of the first canine physical therapists in the United States. So oh. through physical therapy, she found that these, she needed products, so she came up with them herself. So she's a very interesting lady. There's a lot of – I've met quite a few people that are just – the same sort of thing. They were faced with a situation, and instead of washing their hands of it and giving up, they went, uh-huh. how can I figure this out? That's so cool. That is so cool. I I could go on and on all day, Sharon. You have so much to, to offer the, the animal community. Uh, is there anything else you, you wanted to say to our community? Um, can you tell them uh, where, where they should go look at your website, Some ex- you know, like the pig video and fun things like that they can check out? <laughs> Well, it's, it's Lessons from a Paralyzed Dog, uh, so you can find me on my website. Uh, you can also find us on our Facebook page, and uh, we, we're on Pinterest and Instagram, new to Instagram. So cool. you can follow us there and see some of the pictures of some of the animals because uh, my animal, that, that was difficult. I, I don't have a dog any longer to take pictures of, but people are very nice and they let me share their dogs and cats uh, and pigs' pictures. So it's kind of fun to do. 
but uh, it's it's been a, a, an interesting journey, and I didn't know where it was going to lead. But I'm I'm fascinated each day to to find out what's going on and meet the people who are are doing what they're doing, and the parents the the parents are uh, pet parents are, are wonderful because they've all taken this on, and I admire the people who go out and adopt. Uh, yeah, specifically definitely. looking for disabled animals. Um, uh, there's one woman who has six uh, wow. paralyzed animals. I, I don't even know how she does it all day. Wow. She's the queen of putting dogs in and out of wheelchairs all day long. So That's awesome. But, and my one, my one advice, though, is that people need to have patience with themselves. You, they, they really need to step back and, and not, it is overwhelming, but they just really need to have patience with themselves when they hear this kind of a diagnosis and realize that they'll be able to get through it. It, it just take one step at a time. One step at a time, indeed. Thank you so much, Sharon. We really appreciate you being here today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yes, thank you for everything you do, Sharon. We encourage all listeners to learn more about your work at LessonsFromAParalyzedDog.com. Don't miss our previous podcast with Sharon and join the discussion about life on three legs at Tripods.com. next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.